Shadows to Life, Chapter 6, The Feeding, September 21st. Damien walked down towards the sea bus as dusk was settling in. The sun was almost below the mountains, and the sky was streaked with the typical violet through tangerine seen almost daily at this time of year. He sucked in a gulp of crisp air, enjoying the apple-fresh scent that followed heavy rain. In contrast to the lovely setting, the clothes he wore had a grubby, oily feeling that came from not washing them after many similar outings. It wasn't that he was lazy, but rather, despite having to endure the gross feeling on his skin, the smell and dirt would make him more difficult to identify, should the worst happen, and someone report him to the police. The old, dark red jacket and black hoodie underneath were his least favorite clothes, and he only wore them when he was doing his least favorite activity. As he stood at the light, he tried to will the crosswalk sign from lighting up, tried to stop time from progressing until his hyena-like activities began. Unfortunately, however, the light changed despite his will. The inevitability of what he needed to do was little solace. There simply wasn't any choice. He needed money if he was going to get the kind of advice you couldn't get online, the kind of advice only a seasoned veteran with real-world experience would know and the kind you could only pay for with cash. And because of his overzealous nocturnal activities the night before, the majority of which still remained a mystery to him, he'd spent most of his days sleeping in. He couldn't afford to lose another whole day of preparation just to head into the east end of Vancouver where crimes of a violent nature were more common. In fact, today he didn't even have time to go further than a few blocks from his apartment. That was if he wanted to catch Saito-sensei before he closed up for the evening and he definitely did. Damien walked past the dojo in question on his way down. It was still lit up and he could hear the cries of the students inside, yelling as they performed kicks and punches. The time crunch once again on his mind, Damien muttered under his breath about how stupid he'd been for letting this situation occur, and how stupid his shadow was for praising and encouraging it. But if Leech heard his bitter mumblings, he didn't respond possibly because he knew that he was getting what he wanted, and that his mouth was more likely to get in the way of being fed than it was worth throwing a barb. And, Damien thought, at least I have lust. Among his repertoire, it might be one of his weakest skills, but he was still capable enough that he could make the necessary venture mostly safe. Even without vast amounts of talent at it, lust as a power remained very potent, especially when used on those who didn't know how to defend against it. When Damien had first joined the organization, it had been the power he wanted to learn the most, as he thought it would be a great way of getting laid. But it turned out that lust had very little to do with sex. It was all about desire. Desire for anything, really. Money, fame, power, or of course sex. Everyone wanted something, and lust was the power of choice to twist those desires, to change what they wanted. It could be used to hypnotize and convince the afflicted of pretty much anything, dependent upon skill. But as much as he'd wanted to learn lust in the beginning, it wasn't long before Damien discovered it was the power he'd come to fear the most. In his early days of joining the organization, it was used against him to devastating effect. Damien remembered the first time he'd been afflicted by it. Glassy's eyes had turned into swirling black vortexes, and he'd felt himself sinking down into the soiled mattress he lay on. His mind had become fuzzier, and his protective inner walls and inhibitions came down. Damien retreated from the memory with a shiver and a glance behind him. 
like she might be there following. The stronger the user, the more outlandish things the victim would believe. But Damien wasn't particularly strong in lust, and therefore had to convince his victims of things that they wanted or found easy to believe. He made his way along 1st Street before cutting down towards the C-Bus terminal. The sun had now set behind the mountains, and the beautiful dark thickened around his hunting grounds. The C-Bus pulled into its terminal, and Damien glanced at his watch from his vantage point up the street, just around the corner of an apartment building. He knew there were usually a few people who lived close enough to walk home. But if not, the next shuttle wouldn't arrive for another half an hour, and he'd miss his chance to train with Saito for sure. Luckily, he didn't have long to wait before a blonde woman walked past him wearing headphones. She was barely drinking age and wore a small purse draped casually over her shoulder. By the look of it, he probably didn't even need to do anything to take the money off her. A small slit in the bottom of her purse with his trusty lock blade knife would yield her wallet and any valuables. Damien paused mentally as he stepped in behind her, following lightly in her footsteps. It was a tempting thought. What are you waiting for? Regardless of whether you feed me now or later, you'll have to do it before you confront Daniel. And what if that happens, say, tomorrow? Damien nodded reluctantly. Leech was right. And though he'd never admit it to the shady little fart, he usually was. Music could be heard leaking out of the girl's headphones. It was loud, too. What a fool. Twenty-year-olds didn't usually carry much cash, but when they listened to music while walking up dark streets, it made it too easy for him to pass up. It'd be over before she even knew he was there. He followed her up the hill almost to the corner where a row of hedges lined the outside of another apartment building. She still had no idea that there was even someone behind her. Couldn't have made it easier if she tried. But still, he had to time it carefully or else he might accidentally kill her if her head hit the corner of the building on her way through. A quick shoulder check to make sure that no one was watching, then he summoned Wrath and struck. Grabbing her right shoulder hard enough to bruise, Damien shoved the girl six feet through the air, flinging her right through the hedges without even slowing down. Into the darkness he followed, blinking on top of her. They were in a small garden of rhododendron bushes, impossible to see from the building entranceway. Scare her. He held a knife to her throat. I'm only going to say this once, bitch, he growled. If you make any noise, any noise at all, it'll be the last thing you ever do. Got it? The girl trembled so hard she was practically vibrating, and Damien could feel Leech feeding off of her raw fear. More. Give me more. Damien didn't like to increase the risk of being caught but he could feel his own bloodlust increasing as Leech siphoned power and fed it back to him. In a frenzy, he ripped the girl's blouse, exposing her bra underneath. She whimpered, but not loud enough that anyone but Damien and Leech could hear. Her pants. Damien did as he was told and ripped her tights down one side, exposing her lower half almost completely. The surge of power from Leech was almost too much to control. Damien moaned as cold worms of intoxicating energy crawled through his arms, and icy ecstasy flowed into his brain. Feeding the newly siphoned power into lust, Damien stared into her eyes and watched as her pupils dilated. She'd become vulnerable to suggestion, and he began whispering under his breath, 
just loud enough to be heard, like a sorcerer over a cauldron. You don't see a young white man with dark hair. You see an older black man with graying hair. It was one of the oldest lust tricks in the book, and Damien wondered how much crime reportedly done by black men was actually siphons feeding off of society's prejudices. The scene was not unlike Damien's first time during a party at the crisis center not long after he'd joined. Glassy, an older siphon, had told him that if he came to her room, she'd make him extremely satisfied. He, of course, had followed. Once in bed, her eyes turned into swirling black holes, and she told him that he was unable to move. He'd been powerless to resist her commands, even after she began cutting him with an old jagged kitchen knife all over his body, while pleasuring other parts of him at the same time. His raw fear had been a banquet for Glassy's shadow, and Damien still held the scars on his legs and arms to this day from the deepest cuts, where he'd almost bled out. It'd been a rough way to lose his virginity, and a memory written on his mind in blood. The recollection snapped Damien out of the frenzy that had come over his body. He shook his head like a rabid dog. He'd almost died that night. The only thing that had saved him had been the fact that Glassy had wanted to feed off him again, and that his tormentor had mysteriously died the following evening. Damien bit his lower lip and groaned against the pain of pulling back from the power feast that Leech was feeding into him. It felt awful to turn away from it, but no matter what was going on, there was always one emotion that ruled him more than any other. Fear. With a sharp bark of anger, Damien punched the girl savagely in the face. She went out instantly. The force of the blow would leave her with a nasty bruise, but he hadn't broken any bones in her jaw. Leech instantly went into a rage. You stupid little shit! What is wrong with you? Why are you such a gutless, worthless wimp? You always chicken out when it comes to sex, you fucking coward! Shut up, you fucking parasite! Damien hissed, then looked around nervously. Don't you remember what happened the last time I slept with a girl? I'm a symbiont, you yellow worm. If I was a parasite, I wouldn't give any power to you. And you know this girl doesn't have any lust powers like Glassy. You're just a craven dog wetting himself in the corner, too scared to take what it wants. Damien didn't have an answer for that. Normally he felt much worse after feeding Leech. He usually felt sick and afraid. But what Leech said did make some sense. Why didn't he just do as he pleased? This girl was no threat to him, and Glassy was dead. Why was he still so afraid? Was there really so much trauma from something that had happened over six years ago? He shook his head to stop the echo of Leech's last statement from reverberating through his skull. Yeah, he was a coward, but now wasn't the time to dwell on it or old wounds. Snatching up the girl's purse, he pulled out six $20 bills and almost smiled. Most nights, the fact that he wouldn't have to take any more risks to get the needed cash would be enough to cheer him up. But not tonight. There was just too much going on, and what Leech had said unsettled him. He looked back at the girl, unconscious, and frowned. At least he doubted that she would report what had happened to her. And even if she did, it wouldn't matter. She hadn't seen him anyway. Everyone had prejudices, and people tended to believe what they already wanted to.
Damien turned his reversible jacket inside out so that the blue was on the outside and tucked his hood down beneath it. The girl wouldn't wake up any time soon, but he was nothing if not cautious. A life of fear had made him that way. Poking his head out of the bushes, he looked both ways before exiting. It was a fairly short walk up to Saito's martial arts academy. Damien walked in through the front door and up the stairs. The short, stocky man was mopping the hardwood floors like he always did at the end of a day's lessons. Damien knocked on the open door to get his attention before taking his shoes off and stepping inside. Saito wasn't someone you wanted to sneak up on, and he didn't look kindly on disrespect. The man in question looked at him without emotion. You have money? Of course. Damien pulled out four of the six twenties and slapped them down on the counter. What do you want to know? Saito said, with a grin. Damien could practically see the dollar signs in his eyes, but there was never any doubt in his mind that his teacher was worth every penny he spent. Saito was a martial arts genius. He could teach anything from grappling to striking to fencing. The only catch was that even after over 15 years of living in Canada, his English still wasn't the best. I want to know how to attack from multiple angles using a sword. Damien walked over to the wall and pulled out a smaller wooden sword about the size of his leash. About this size. That is wakizashi, Saito said, and walked over. One hand sword, quick strikes. What's your opponent's weapon? Hmm. Good question, Damien said, and waited for Leech to fill him in. But he received no answer. Apparently the little parasite was still sulking. How much extra to prepare for different weapons? Sixty. Damien opened up his wallet and pretended to check. All I have is forty. Fine. It'll do. Damien pulled out the money and slapped it down on top of the other bills. What he thought was a bonanza had turned out to be just enough. Let's begin. First we go over face-to-face attack, both people using sword. Saito started right away. It was just one of the reasons Damien always came to him. He wasn't just the best, but he was enthusiastic as well. And he never asked why Damien wanted to know. He just wanted the money. And Damien never asked about his teacher's past either. It was clear from many of the things that Saito said that not only did he have a long and checkered history, but that he had real experience with what he talked about. And even though some of what he said was disturbing, it all helped. Like when he'd said that if Damien struck the right spot when stabbing someone in the kidneys, that there would be an explosion of breath from their lungs. Things like that were why Damien paid extra. Experience and knowledge in a fight were paramount. Saito was essentially a prostitute that handed out dangerous knowledge with no concern of the buyer, other than that they had the right amount of cash, of course. But then again, Damien too essentially whored himself out for a roof in his treatments of Mrs. White, so that he could spend his money on comics. They were alike. Saito made no apologies. He was who he was, and Damien respected him for it. And... Sad as it was, the connection that they had through their mutual lack of principles made Saito the closest thing that Damien had to a real friend. Thanks again for listening to another chapter of Shadows to Life. Follow me on Twitter at Rob V. Johnson to be kept up on all the latest going on, plus other random thoughts I might subject you to. See you next time.